Hello and welcome back to Boys of Summer. I hope it's welcome back, but if you're listening for the first time, we're glad that you joined us. This is Paul Arnold, your host. I'm joined by Gene Gums and Eric Braun, and boy, we're right down to it. We're almost to the World Series. The season that might never have happened is happening. And before we get started, guys, I grew up listening to baseball on a a little 9-volt transistor radio upstairs in my bedroom. I had a little earplug just only on one side. Back in those days, that was enough. And I would turn it on, and my mom would say goodnight. I'd just crawl underneath my sheets and listen to the Detroit Tigers play. And that was like everything I wanted out of baseball. So, Gene, you're around my age. What did you first listen to baseball on? You know, I did the same thing. It was a little radio, and I would take it to bed at night because my, my parents didn't want me to listen to games at night. So I would take it to bed with me and you know, kind of sneak it underneath the underneath the covers and and have one earplug in the, the ear that was on the pillow, so they couldn't see. Ah, next earphone level. in. Yeah, you know, and so I I used to sneak to games. I and and then you know I could never figure out why I was you know had trouble. <laughs> focusing in school the next day but <laughs> <laughs> but you know I, but I listened I listened to the Red Sox because that was Red Sox country and we were right on the Rhode Island Connecticut border where I grew up mm-hmm. and the local Red Sox affiliate was literally just a couple of miles from my house so I got a nice strong signal very nice Eric what about you uh you know probably the earliest memory I have of listening to to ball games um uh was we had a cabin down at Lake of the Ozarks in Missouri, and every summer, you know, you would just go down and hang out on the dock and listen to listen to the Royals games. Nice. And by the way, Denny Matthews, who was calling the games, you know, back then in uh, the the 70s, is you know still still calling games for the Royals, the longest uh, tenured announcer in baseball now. Wow! Wow! That's pretty cool. Yeah, He's the only announcer the Royals have ever had. So I sort of like your story better, sitting at the dock, you know, enjoying uh, a good great. food, yeah. good weather, while we had yeah. to sneak our listening in, you know, especially if they had a West Coast <laughs> game, you know, they went late in the night. But uh, anyways, we're right into the midst of the playoffs, and right as we speak recording this on Saturday evening, there's the Dodgers are playing the Braves, and... It's too early to tell, but last night, or the previous game, the Fresh Prince of L.A., Will Smith, did a walk-off <laughs> home run against the uh, I Am Legend pitcher from the Braves. Uh, that was beyond strange that Will Smith hit a home run off of Will Smith. So I want to ask you guys, have the Dodgers figured out that the Braves can't hit curveballs? Because eight of Valdez's nine strikeouts came on his curveball. Is that going to be the kryptonite that's going to destroy the Braves, Gene? No, I don't think it's that. I mean, it's not like uh, this is the rocket science and nobody's tried to throw the Braves curveballs all summer. I think this is just a case of, look, the Dodgers, uh, top to bottom, have a better pitching staff than the, uh, the, I mean, the Dodgers have a better pitching staff than the Braves. You know, I mean, some of those Braves rookie pitchers have had some great performances, but you knew there was no way they were going to be able to continue what they did. The other night when it was a, when Kyle Wright gave up six runs mm-hmm. or seven runs, he, he gave up more runs in those two innings than the Braves had given up in the previous 60 innings. Ooh. So, yeah, think Start about that. The I mean, were, yeah, I mean. So think about that. They had been shutting guys out. They or giving up one or two runs. They hadn't. They hadn't been hit yet. It was just a matter of time. You can't keep them down forever. And look, this is 
one of the most potent lineups uh, in the last 10 years, this Dodger team. So you, you're not going to be able to keep them down forever. So, and you know, you say that they haven't figured it out. And you know, I, I think that, I think that, I think the Braves are going to be fine. I think the Braves will win this series. Oh, okay. Thanks. All right, Eric, you were one that couldn't hit a curveball. You've admitted to that in your past. So the Braves are the darlings of the South. Do you think, you know, like you agree with Gene, that Braves are going to pull this out or not? Ooh, I don't know. I, uh, I like to think so. Um, uh, although really I'm hoping, you know, hedging my bets, you know, if the, if the Astros actually make it, I really, uh, <laughs> want to see Astros Dodgers. So, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. Um, it's 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 so it's the way the Dodgers have played in the series has been you know uh, kind of falling back to some bad old Dodgers uh, memories you know mm. I, I'm thinking I'm thinking Kershaw but uh, but really you know I gosh I just hate to count the Dodgers out they're just such a good team but uh, I guess we'll see if they you know they're off to a good start today apparently so um, spoiler alert uh, yeah. <laughs> they'll know except by as, now. Yeah. Yeah, they except, know. Except, except as we watch it, the Dodgers are actually they scored three runs in the first inning. The Braves had the bases loaded and nobody out in the second. So Oh wow. There uh, we go. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, look, one of the other reasons I want the Dodgers to lose is because all the teams with the huge payrolls are going down. You know, it, how great would it be to have the Braves and the Rays? <laughs> In the in the in the World Series, that would be awesome. Now the now the now the Braves payroll isn't at the bottom anywhere near, but obviously the Tampa's is. So you know to have the Yankees out with that huge payroll, to have the Dodgers out with that huge payroll, that's good for baseball. It's, it is. It's it's great for baseball if those smaller market teams can do that. See, I have a problem with the Braves, not the Braves, the Dodgers, and that's their manager Dave Roberts. I think that the ownership of the Dodgers have been incredibly patient. Um, considering that how many times has he gotten there twice the World Series and lost? Other times it hasn't lived up to the potential. Yes, you could say, oh, he was, uh, you know, had some bad luck and Houston cheated, yada yada. But I don't know. Until Dave Roberts wins one with the Dodgers, I'm just not a believer, and I'm just wondering. This is, I mean, this is going to be the litmus test for him. If he doesn't do it this year, is he on the hot seat? Is he gone? Ooh. I mean, they're the. I mean, gosh, they're, they they should be going to the World Series. It's a weird year. That may be a saving grace, but yeah. uh, man, uh, I would certainly be looking over my shoulder if I was if I was him. Yeah, I just don't know how. I just you know, he, he hasn't really made a lot of mistakes. You know, it's not like you can look at the decisions that he's made and say that he's cost them anything. This has been about guys performing in big spots. Look, Mookie Betts isn't hitting, you know, this world series. He's not hitting, you know, Clayton Kershaw got, you know, beat around the other night. I mean, there there are guys that are not performing. I, you know, Dave Roberts hasn't caught, if they lose this, it's not because of Dave Roberts. I I know the managers always take the biggest hit, you know, but uh, you know, I would hate to think, especially in this weird year that this has been, that it's going to cost him his job. I know. And by the way, I yeah. By the way, I just I just looked up salaries. The, the Atlanta Braves uh team salary this year is $130 million, which is about the probably the the t- in the the bottom of the top third. Mm-hmm. 
So they're not they're not even one of the top five or six in the league in terms of salary because they've got all those young kids that they don't have to pay a lot of money to. Right. It's going to catch up to them sooner or later. Yeah. yeah. Um, I would like to see the Dodgers win in a way just because I'm a big Kershaw fan and I, it was yeah. hurtful to see him be hit around uh, the other day. So I'm hoping for that point, but my wife's not with me. She's from Georgia. She's from Atlanta. She's all about the Braves. And uh, I I have a Brave story for later when we get to our last segment. But the next um, AL series is the Astros against the Tampa Bay Rays. They're doing the seventh game tonight. You probably will listen to this podcast and already know the outcome. But once again, you have a real contrast with managers. You have very grizzled veteran Dusty Baker versus young, brilliant Kevin Cash. Um, is the man, are the managers really going to make the difference here, or what is the main difference, you think? Let's predict it for tonight. What's going to make the main difference for tonight, Gene? Who pitches better? <laughs> yeah. I mean, wow. It's, it's, what a you know, revelation. You know, I, thank you, Captain Obvious. But, I mean, look, that there's, there's no doubt. Hey, hey, look, you know, you can look. The managers right now, Dusty Baker is outmanaging Kevin Cash. Kevin Cash last night in that game six that they lost overmanaged. He went out and got Blake Snell in the fourth inning. Blake Snell still had a lot of gas in the tank. Yeah, he gave up, you know, he got two guys on with nobody out, but he yanked him way too quickly. And he brings in these guys from the bullpen that have been overused because he loves to go to his bullpen. He doesn't let his starters go very deep into games. And he brought them in again and they got whacked around. The night before, Dusty Baker shows some confidence when Zach Granke is pitching. You know, every I'll tell you what, 99 times out of 100 in Major League Baseball now, when the manager goes to the mound in the situation that Dusty Baker did the other night with Granke, Granke's leaving the game. And he showed some onions, left him out there. Granke got out of trouble, and he saved his bullpen some pitches. Right now, Dusty Baker is the difference. You know, and I love Dusty Baker. You know, and I, and I think right now, if, if it comes down to managers tonight, I, I hate to say it, but I like the Astros' chances. If, if, it's, if the managers make the decision tonight, and I don't think they will, but if the managers are the deciding factor tonight, I think Dusty Baker wins it. Yeah, you got, uh, was it last night? I mean, all of a sudden, the, uh, the Astros are a bunting team, right? So Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's just, you know, they start playing small ball, you know that's, that's Dusty. Who's right. like, guys, we need to do this if we're going to win. And yeah, that was... Uh, surprising, right? Yeah, and, you know, and, and, you know, and the thing is, is that when it's got to be demoralizing for guys in that Tampa pitching staff. Blake Snell was not happy when he got yanked last night. He was angry, and then when he goes to the dugout and watches what happens, he's even angrier. Right. You know, there come there are times when you have to have some confidence. And I know analytics. I don't want to hear any more about analytics. There are times there are times you have to manage by the seat of your pants. And maybe that's the reason why, by the way, Tampa's had so much success in the regular season in the last few years. But when push comes to shove and you have to show some confidence in guys, Kevin Cash overmanages. And perhaps that's the reason why they haven't gotten much farther than they have. Mm. Gene, that's what I like about you. You give good 
uh, baseball insights, but you do enough cliches to make me feel I'm still listening to baseball. <laughs> like you talk about onions and seed of a pants, and you know, I like it. That's, for me, you know, like they used to have on Sports Center a little. I think Oberman and Patrick used to have a little dinger for all the cliches that somebody had yeah. in an yeah. interview. Like ding ding, like over and under seven <laughs> or eight. Because yep, you've got to yep. have the cliches in there a little bit. I mean, it's part of the whole, you know, <laughs> exactly. mythology of baseball. Um, I think both of you guys are not huge fans of Korea, but he is hot. And I'll start with Eric on this one. Eric, is Korea a guy that only Houston can love? I mean, tell me something redeeming about this guy, because he's not coming off too um, <laughs> too good across the country. It's the, 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 PR, the PR style of... Of Carlos Correa is not excellent. I'll say, um, you know, I mean, look, yeah, right now he is kind of the guy who I think if you're if you're an Astros fan uh, here in Houston, you know, I think you know he's your he's your guy, right? Because everybody here is tired of being told they're cheaters, right? They've they've you know long since moved on or tried to, and uh, you know, like you said, he's raking so. Um, cliche um the uh <laughs> gotta play the, one uh, game at a time there <laughs> right sorry 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 but uh but yeah i mean look uh, if you want somebody who's going to make the home team you know who's you know just a little angry uh you know and you know want the astros to play kind of angry uh you know i think uh i think carlos is your guy mm. He's the guy that stirs the pot. How about another cliche? There you go. There you go. Perfect. All right, Gene. You can add on any cliche you want now. Set it up. No, I've got no cliche. I just, I, I, yes, you you know, look, (laughs) the only, the only redeeming quality that Carlos Correa has is that he has the ability to back up the swagger. Mm. You know, I mean, he, I'll give him that. But this is the guy that after they cheated had zero remorse. And basically said, <laughs> too bad, you know, and this is the guy before the playoffs started said, well, everybody hates us, but we're here. How do you like us now? Mm. You know, I mean, that's essentially what he said. He basically challenged everybody that's been an Astro hater and said, Hey, go pound sand. We're here anyway. You know, mm. that's what he did, mm. you know, and, and, and look, you know, and we were talking before we started this podcast, I, I Houston can't lose enough for me. And I, I love Dusty Baker. I love George Springer. He's a Connecticut guy. He's a guy that overcame a stuttering problem when he was a kid. He's a, he, and he grew up a Red Sox fan, so he definitely has redeeming qualities. <laughs> uh, you know, I love those guys, but you know, I, but it it is hard for me to root for a team that, when this whole thing happened, showed no remorse. You know, and, and I think that's the problem with most people around the country. And we've talked about this on podcasts before. If they had just come out and said, Hey, we were idiots. We're sorry. We won't, you know, I mean, if they had just done that, it would, this would have gone away a hell of a lot faster, but not one of them stepped up and said, we're sorry. Yeah. They all avoided it. They just tried to get around it. Yeah. And that's, so that's my problem. You know, it's not that I hate the city of Houston, you know, and I used to root for the Astros because they were a great story because they, how awful they were for a number of years when they built that thing up from nothing. They look, the front office were geniuses the way they rebuilt that team, you know, so I actually rooted for them, but you know, (laughs) talk, they, they ruined that in the hurry, you know, and it's a shame. It's a shame. So, you know, 
and again, you know, you have the Tampa Rays that, you know, have a salary, a, a, a team salary of around $80 million. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, you know, one of the lowest in the major leagues. That just is a great story for baseball. So you, you stack that on top of how much everybody hates Houston. And, and I really, really am rooting for the Rays tonight. Mm. Okay. And by the way, by, by the way, the, uh, we were talking about the uh, Braves yes. coming back. Yeah. Yeah. Walker Bueller got out of that bases loaded, nobody out jam. Bueller? They didn't score. Bueller? Yeah. Wow. Bueller. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. So I think we know how you feel, Gene. Thanks for coming forth. Welcome. With that. Yeah. Appreciate <laughs> I, that. I, I, you know, I know I'm, I'm, so, I'm trying not to be wishy washy. I'm sorry. I, I, I appreciate that. That's what I like about you. Um, <laughs> So we've talked about in the past, this is a year like none other, and they're in a bubble. They're both in bubbles. Do you guys think that this has had any effect on the games? From my point of view, it's had minimal effect on the games except for the home field advantage where there's times where the whole stadium's going crazy and maybe some nerves are being played into the game because a, a pitcher, especially pitching, if you're pitching in an opposition ballpark and it's going crazy, that ball gets a little, uh, you know, hard to grip, and it's hard to hit the sweet spot. So I don't know. Maybe it's affected maybe ten to twenty percent if I put any number on it. Um, Eric, do you think it's affected it that much? Uh, I mean, for me, the only the main effect is that you don't get those crowd shots. I mean, the crowd shots are kind of what makes the playoffs. Watching on on TV mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, you know, just getting to see the fans, you know losing their minds in a close game late and people, you know, biting their fingernails and rally hats and all that stuff. I mean, that's just some of the magic of, of a guy and his sister standing behind the dugout. (laughs) That's right. That's right. You want to tell that story uh, real quick? Um, sure. Yeah. Uh, so game four, uh, in the ALDS here in Houston in 2015, um, the, the Royals, uh, you know, came back, uh, late in the game, uh, with what was it a six-run comeback? I think uh, you know in the eighth. Uh, so it was a you know a huge game. But uh, you know the guys were talking trash to me beforehand. But there's a shot. You know the the next inning after the comeback, uh, Eric Hosmer hitting the, the home run that that sealed it. And all you see in the 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 picture from the Kansas City Star, you can see uh, just a bunch of orange people in orange sitting down and me and my sister sitting in the or standing in the, in the lower level um, with our arms uh, upraised uh, watching the, uh, watching the ball sail out of the stadium. It's a, it's a, it's a keepsake. I can, I can't find it on the Kansas city star site to order it. I've, I've been one too, but I, I just can't find it there, mm. but I need to try, but yeah, it's a, it's a great, it's a great photo. So the, that was a great moment for you and the fans. I mean, when you're actually at a playoff game, it's just, phenomenal just you feel all just really into it and just a celebration gene what's been some of the most memorable playoff games have you have attended have you attended some uh, well, um, I've att- well, I attended a bunch when I was working for Major League Baseball in Fenway Park, but I was sitting in a press box, so it's it was kind oh, of a different yeah. feeling. I've I've never actually attended a playoff game in baseball as a fan. Mm. I know that's weird. I just, I, as, as big a fan as I am, I've never done that except, you know, when I worked the, the couple of playoffs in the World Series with the Red Sox. So, you know, uh, it's, it's uh, you know, and there were some incredible moments, you know, Big Poppy with a couple of home runs he hit in the postseason in Boston just, you know, were great. I mean, and so I think I think that is missing here, but I don't think it's really affected 
the game that much. Because you could also make the case that not having fans in the regular season was just as difficult. Because, hey, maybe some of those games down the stretch would have been different Mm -hmm. if there were fans in certain ballparks. Maybe the result would have been different if somebody got a little tighter with the fans. So the only time I saw in the playoffs here that I think it made a difference, and I think it was in the Rays-Yankee series. weren't They They were playing in San Diego, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Aaron Judge went up to get a, uh, to try to catch a ball that was going to go over the fence, and he was underneath, a, uh, like under the fence up there, tried to jump up. Well, the problem was is that the fence actually jutted out. Ooh. He jumped up and jammed his head underneath this overhang oh. and hurt him and, and almost, I thought he was going to break his neck. Um, and, and really hurt himself. And it was like, and he looked at it, he turned around and looked at it after. He was like, oh my God, you know, but that, and that was the case of, he didn't know the ballpark. They never play there. You know, they're not, right. that's not even a, they're not even in the American league. So he never even plays there. So that's the only time I think the ballparks really made a difference. Otherwise, I think you're right. I think, I think maybe, maybe some tension on the pitchers might be the only thing if there were fans there. Mm-hmm. Well, After this podcast is over, we'll watch some more baseball. Next week, we'll be talking about the World Series among ourselves, and maybe we'll do another podcast. We can all figure out our schedules. Uh, But I have to ask it, okay, who do you have to win the whole thing, Eric, right now as it stands as of today? As of today, I'm going to pick the Dodgers. I'm going to go on a limb and say they're going to come back and do it and go all the way through. All right. Gene? Mm-hmm. I'm going to say the Braves. All right. I think I think I think I think Eric's right. I think whoever comes out of this series will win it. Yep. National League because all the I, way. Because I well because I think that both these teams have better pitching than the two American League teams. Mm. So I think that will I think that will be the difference. And if the Astros win the whole thing, who will be? <laughs> we'll have to go give Gene therapy. We'll have to uh, take him out, <laughs> take him out on a softball field, and let him get his swings and cuts out, so he doesn't feel so bad. So, all right, guys. The last segment for today is sort of a little different. We've talked a lot about you know history and what makes baseball so great is nostalgia. Looking back at when you're growing up and watching things, and then another thing that makes baseball so amazing is the unexpected heroes or you can't predict it. I mean, we try to predict it, but you can't. There's always somebody who steps up and does something great. And I've asked these guys to come up with their unexpected World Series heroes. And mine, I'm going to start with just because I'm the host and I can. Um, I've mentioned him briefly before in some of the podcasts, but it, he is a made-for-TV movie. I don't know how Lifetime has passed this up yet. But, <laughs> mi- yeah, I know you're laughing already. Mickey Lolich. For the Detroit Tigers. And if you're not familiar, this goes back to the 60s and it was just a great time for me growing up. But just listen to the story. Mickey Lolich was drafted, picked up by the Tigers in 1963. But he got the Detroit management really upset because he was late to spring training because he was taking a mailman examination test to see if he could do that during his offseason. He was sort of... (laughs) Goofy. How many people today would say, sorry, I can't be there spring training. I'm taking a test to be a mailman. So that next year, he was on their roster, and he cu- they cut him and sent him down to Syracuse Chiefs and then called him back up, and he stayed up after that. But then he was on the Michigan Air National Guard Reserve, and in 1967, they called him to active duty. Like, How many players right now 
or any National Guard Reserve. It would never happen. And because that would of the, be none. Yeah, it'd be the riots happening in Detroit. They had him in the National Reserves, and when he came back off the active duty and bring, came back to the team, he had death threats um, because he was on the National Guard. And even the FBI placed a team of snipers on the top of the roof of Tiger Stadium during his next two starts back from being recalled from the National Guard. I mean, that's some serious drama wow. there. And then 1968, uh, the big uh, pitcher was Denny McLean for the Tigers, won 31 games that year. But Lolich was the most valuable player because he won game two after Bob Gibson defeated McLean in game one. And then the Tigers lost the next two games, were down 3-1, and then Lolich comes back and wins game five and pitches a complete game. And then he hits a home run, the only home run of a 16-year career. And then he pitched the last game to win it for the uh, Tigers and name, and then the last part that I just love about him is that he, when he retired, he bought a donut shop, ran that until <laughs> retirement, and that's that's the I that's every him. man's dream, isn't it, to play baseball and to buy a, a donut shop. So I didn't realize about the the FBI and his his story and um, hitting his only home run back in the day when pitchers would hit and. He timed it just right. Plus, it, the reason I like Mickey Lolich too is even in his prime of his career, it looked like he had an extra spare tire around his stomach. He he had Dunlap disease, if you know what I'm talking about. So <laughs> I do indeed. Yes. All right, Gene, do you have a favorite World Series unexpected well, hero? I didn't go back that far. Uh, you know, I went to I went fairly recent. I I went. Uh, uh, this was a tough one for me. I, I actually had three, and the guy I decided on was. Uh, Edgar Renteria, mm. when he was he was the MVP um, back in 2010, um, playing for the Giants, and this is a guy that you know went seven for seventeen in the World Series, hit four twelve. But the previous in the NLCS, he was one for sixteen. <laughs> I mean, this is a guy, and you know he had had a decent regular season, but this, this isn't a guy. Uh, I think he hit 275 with three homers and 22 runs bat in. He did. He wasn't even a full time player. He only played 72 games in the regular season, and yet this is the guy that ends up as your World Series MVP um, as they won that that year when they beat Texas. I think it was. I think they beat him four games to one. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- it was. It was between him and David Freeze. Mm. Remember when David? Oh yeah. Da- yeah. When David Freeze won it. Yeah, that's another guy that you know. I, I didn't. You didn't see that coming, but. You know, he didn't. He had a decent regular season, but between the end of the World Series, he was twenty for forty-five in those two. He hit almost five hundred between the NLCS and the and the World Series. Crazy. But Edgar Crazy. Edgar Renteria was my guy. The other guy I looked at was shortstop did hit with a banjo. Uh, and he ended up winning the World Series MVP when they beat Detroit. Uh, he had 364 in the series, and that was the team. I mean, they had guys like uh, Scott Rowland on that team, Jim Edmonds, mm-hmm. uh, Albert Pool, a uh, prime Albert Pujols. Yeah, and yet David Eckstein, the, the lightest hitter on that team, ends up being the World Series yeah. MVP. But Thanks, for me, Ed, thanks for bringing that up. Ed, Sorry. Well, hey, listen, if you're going to cover Detroit and glory, I got to bring you back yeah. down to earth by bringing up David Eckstein. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. but but yeah, Edgar Renteria, I think, was the most surprising one for me. Mm. Eric, what do you think? Well, you know, 
when you're a Royals fan, you really and then you have to pick one unsurprising or yes. one surprising player. Sorry, uh, uh, you got to go with Dane Orge. Uh, oh, Dane I forgot Orge, about him. <laughs> so Dane Orge was uh, unceremoniously uh, had his contract in '84 sold to the Royals. Um, it just not a trade. You know, just they just they just sold him. They throw to him the Royals. a bag of balls too. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. He was hitting about two hundred for him. So he comes over to the Royals. He does pretty well. Um, but then in the '85 World Series, you've got the Royals and the Cardinals uh, playing. And I, uh, you may remember in Game Six of that series that there was a play at first base uh, with George Orta, where some people, and I don't know who these people are. <laughs> they were read a lot. Um, I disagree with the call at first base um, made by Don Dinkinger, who, who's the picture of that play is on every bar uh, wall in uh, in St. Louis. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so so yeah. The uh, so after after that famous uh, blown call at first base, um, then the like I think the play after that, Jack Clark uh, boots another pop fly that would have also would have won the game. Um, obligated as a Royals fan to point that out. Um, uh, and then, then the, uh, Whitey Herzog decides to walk the bases loaded. Um, and, uh, and we ended up putting Dane Orge up there to, uh, uh, to hopefully win the game for us. And he ends up hitting, uh, a little, uh, fly ball out to outfield and the Royals, uh, won game six of the 85 series and then went on to uh, crush the Cardinals in game seven, 11 to zero. You Dane feel better Orge. now, don't you, Eric? You feel better. I do feel better about it. I won't, I will not be listening to this podcast with my wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How many people marry a lady who roots for the opposite, like the team that you don't want? Like if Gene, I know Gene did <laughs> oh, not marry a New York Yankees fan. That that would have been a deal breaker. I mean, I, I, I don't care. I don't care how beautiful she was, how smart she was, anything. If you're a Yankees fan, you're out of here. <laughs> well, it's not quite that bitter. Between mostly the bitterness is mostly from uh, uh, Cardinals fans to to Royals fans. Although there's certainly some some yeah. animus there. You know what the bitterness I have here now is? Is my wife just wants to know when it's all going to end? <laughs> because you know, with no off days during the playoffs. Yeah, there's baseball on every night, and oh, she just looks at me that? and just goes, "Really? Not again?" <laughs> she said, "I said, honey, really, it's about another ten days. It'll all be over. I promise." <laughs> well, at least she wants to spend time with you, which is a good sign, Jim. right? Yeah. Right. All right, I got to do an honorable mention here, um, Beck. Because I married a, a lady from Atlanta, Georgia, it automatically made me a, a Braves fan. And going to some of the games there, I became a Braves fan. And in 1992, there's this famous scene, not in the World Series, but the NL Championship Series. It's one of my favorite segments where you have, you know him, you love him, Sid Bream. Yes. And Sid Bream was not fast afoot at all. He was one of the slowest guys you could ever think of. And it was Game 7 of the 92 NL Championship Series, and Bream's playing first base, and they're playing the Pirates, who Bream used to play with. Pirates have a 2-0 lead in the bottom of the ninth inning. Doug Drabeck is pitching, just needs three outs, three outs to make the World Series. Drabeck gives a leadoff double to Terry Pendleton, then allows another runner, David Justice, on because of infield error. 
Then Drabic walks Bream to load the bases, which makes total sense. Slow man on first. Then Braves third string catcher Francisco Cabrera belted a single to, a single to left field, and Justice scores easily, right? But then Barry Bonds, who who else would you want on the outfield throwing the ball in, right, to get Bream out? Bonds throws the ball, but he throws it a little off to the side, and Bream slides under the catch. Uh, the and the uh, tag to win it for the Braves, and I remember watching that, thinking, "Go, go, go! You can make it. Just make it." And then he makes the perfect slide. I, to me, that was one of the best moments for Braves fans and um, for all old slow guys out there, or even young it was slow just, guys. That was one of the all-time, just one of the all-time great play. I mean, that play. It, it seemed. I remember watching it live, and it seemed like it took like five minutes for that whole play to, to happen. It just was—it's like just, it's slow motion, mostly because it's literally slow motion. Well, it but, was slow motion. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought I thought Bream I thought Bream was going to have to stop for oxygen going around. <laughs> oh man, it's yeah, classic. What a play! Hey, you know, Paul. Before uh, before we sign off for the day, you know, I just I just wanted to bring something up. I was looking at this yesterday, mm-hmm. and it gave me some hope. And, oh, and, I like and the it. hope, and the hope is that we'll have a normal year next year. Mm-hmm. You know, we had all these other sports, pro basketball and hockey, operating in a bubble, mm-hmm. right? Baseball did not operate in a bubble this year. Now they changed some things about locker rooms and stuff like that, but people were still these guys were still going home to their families and still going out around the. It was just a report this weekend, or, or on Friday, actually. During the baseball season, Major League Baseball did uh, over 169,000 COVID samples. Wow. Of those 169,000, only 91 of them were positive. Think about that for a minute. That's 0.05%. Mm. I mean, you know, and only 57 of those 91 positives were players. Mm-hmm. So... You know, it gives me some hope that even though they weren't operating in a bubble, it was shown that, look, baseball is a sport that it's about as socially distant as you can get. Mm -hmm. You know, if if there is a sport that's going to be able to operate normally, that tells me this. That's the one. So I have a lot of hope that when spring training comes, they're going to look at these numbers from what they did see. Hey, let's go full steam ahead. Now, whether it means we have fans or whether it means we only have partial fans, I think at a full year in next year, and I am very, very encouraged by those numbers. Wow, that's amazing stats, and I'm glad you shared with those. And you know, if people are smart, and I'm going to sound like I'm on the bandwagon here too. Um, if you're smart and you stay out of large groups and you don't go into crowded restaurants and you take care of right. yourself and you wear your mask when you're supposed to, your odds of getting it are way, way, way lower than uh, people who are not smart. Um, and so I like the idea of things going back to normal and hopefully a vaccine for next year is going to help that a little bit. But um, yeah, let's be smart out there, folks. I Guess what show that was from? Remember that? The end of the beginning of the show, the detective would say be smart out there that was hill street blues yes for 200 points gene gums old time tv is that what he said wait is you, that what he said he, he said i thought it was always i thought it was let's be careful out there careful oh. out there that's what it was because oh. he always used to stop he'd say and it, they'd be start to leave and he'd go hey 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 let's be careful out there it was the old guy oh. the tall bald guy yes yeah. it was the old sergeant yes yep. wow and didn't he did he die like in the middle of the series too before it ended 
Oh, I don't remember that. Uh, yeah, he, he might have. Yeah, he might have. That was a great show. I used to love that it show. It was a great show, yeah. I think we might need to have a return of Sports Jeopardy with these guys, although Gene <laughs> would not enjoy that very much. But, uh, no, probably not. do so well We time. did that a long time ago. Well, guys, um, that's our podcast for today. I know I'm a little anxious to get back and watching some more baseball, and um, maybe I'll find a hot dog or two to eat with a nice cold one and enjoy it while it lasts. And so for Gene Gums and Eric Braun, this is Paul Arnold. Let's play two. Go Rays. <laughs>